By its very nature, family life means that family members often resemble one another, right? But not always. There are blended families. There are adoptive families. And in these families, children don't necessarily look like mom or dad. But even if there is not that family resemblance, that doesn't mean they are any less a part of the family or that they are loved any less. I've learned over the years by trial and error that it is very important to secure the permission of family members before I go off telling stories about them up here in the pulpit. <laughs> it is one thing to tell stories on myself, which as you know, I've, I've done a lot over the years, but it's not always okay to tell stories about the other people who reside in your household. So that's exactly what I did um, with my wife in the story I'm about uh, to tell you now. It's really not a story at all, just uh, an observation, if you will. Many of you know uh, my wife, June, but you may not know that she has two sisters. Uh, June is the oldest, and there's uh, two sisters, one four years younger, one eight years younger, and they all bear this striking resemblance to each other, something that people often comment on when they see all three three of them together usually goes something like this. Wow, you really look alike. <laughs> and then when they meet June's mom, who is out here at Thanksgiving along with June's dad, uh, then they say something like, oh, now I see where the family resemblance comes from. And looking out at you here in the congregation and knowing you as I do, yep, there's family resemblance out there for sure. So in your family, who do you look like? You figured that out? Is there a family resemblance that uh, goes back and spans the generations? You know, sometimes we do have to go back a couple of generations, don't we? To find somebody in the family tree with our features. And then we figure out and we say, oh yeah, I've got dad's eyes. I've got mom's nose. But we may have to go further back to figure out where did I get these ears? And then we look at those old pictures and see, oh yeah, grandma had those ears. And great grandpa had the cowlick in his hair that I've got too. Family life. That's the theme for our Advent preaching this season. And today on this third Sunday in Advent, we focus on Jesus' words in the gospel lesson under the theme, who do you look like? May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. A week ago, on the second Sunday in Advent, we encountered that fiery figure, John the Baptist, who called the people of his day to repentance before the coming of the Lord. Once again today, we hear about John, but this time he's not preaching to the crowds gathered to hear him there on the banks of the Jordan River. Nope. This time he's shut up 
in prison. And why, we may wonder. Well, we've got to go a few chapters on beyond today's gospel lesson to get the answer to that. And there we discover that John was imprisoned and would actually be executed for speaking out against King Herod's unlawful marriage to his brother Philip's wife. But that's later on. Before all of this happens, and while he's still in prison, John sends word to Jesus by his disciples. He's got to know, is Jesus the real deal or what? Are you the one who is to come? Or do we need to look for somebody else? Need to look for another. He wants to know if Jesus is really and truly that long expected and promised Messiah spoken of by God through his prophets. And Jesus gives them a reply to send back to John, and it really echoes what we heard in today's Old Testament lesson from the prophet Isaiah, fulfilling those words of prophecy. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. This is Jesus, right? All of the miracles which he accomplished in his earthly life and ministry, causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk and the mute to shout and sing. This is exactly what Jesus came to do as that Son of God to restore life to God's original design and purpose. Jesus came that we may have life, and not just a little sliver, not just a smidgen of life, but he tells us, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. This is what Jesus has come to do. But Jesus goes beyond what Isaiah recorded there, as unbelievable as it is to restore sight and hearing of speech, hearing and speech, and to give mobility to those who are physically impaired. It's even more incredible to raise the dead, which is what Jesus did. And in the midst of all of that, preaching good news to poor sinners like you and me. The good news in Jesus is that God has come near to us, not to condemn, not to curse, not to slam down, but to lift up to restore, to forgive, to love. This is the gift Jesus still brings to our lives today. 
The family was confused, we're told. The family of God's people were perplexed. They were flummoxed about John the Baptist. After all, you know, it had been some 400 years since there had been any prophet whom God had raised up. Uh, to be sure, the people were confused about Jesus also, and his true identity would not really be unveiled, revealed, until after his death and resurrection. We heard last week about John's unusual clothing and eating habits, right? He wore a garment of camel's hair, we're told, and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was, remember? Locusts and wild honey. Sounds like some kind of specialized diet thing there, but he really looked like somebody who was way down countless generations on that family tree. In appearance and in message, John resembled Elijah of old, God's messenger. And when the family of faith saw John, they immediately thought of Elijah. But they needed clarification about John. Who was he? Where did he come from? What is he all about? And Jesus makes clear that this John on the banks of the River Jordan, now in prison, is that promised messenger who will precede the coming of the Lord. Jesus quotes from the final book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, Malachi in Hebrew, which literally means my messenger. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And then Jesus goes one step further, and he explicitly identifies John the Baptist as the new Elijah, whose coming fulfills the final words of prophecy from Malachi. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. John may have looked like Elijah but who do you look like? I don't mean just physical appearance, important as that may be, but who are you in here? You see, people in the same family can have a striking resemblance to one another, but they can be worlds apart, right? In spirit and in temperament. It's what's in here in our hearts that overflows into what we say and what we do and how we live, do we resemble Jesus? 
Do our words and our actions resemble his own? Do people see him in us and through us? John the Baptist, he closed out that time of waiting that preceded the coming of Jesus. And as the forerunner of Jesus, he was the bridge spanning the time of preparation that would give way to the time of fulfillment. That's a pretty important role, I'd say. And Jesus tells us no one who is born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. But the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's you. And that's me. We who have been baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, we who trust in this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, though we count ourselves as puny, small, insignificant, we are greater than John the Baptist. How is that for amazing? I find that absolutely astounding. I sincerely believe that people are really ready to see Jesus today, including lots of people who don't come to church, lots of people from different religions. People are hungry to see and know Jesus. And how will they come to see and know Jesus except through his people, right? If Jesus is the head of his body, which is the church, by his grace alone, you and I, we are members of his body. As I frequently tell you, we are Jesus' hands, we are his feet, we are his mouth to bring Jesus to people in the world around us. This is our Advent calling as we wait and watch for the coming of the Lord. This is what joining Jesus on his mission is all about. It's not another program. It's not another thing to do. It's not the, the next installment in a constant progression of whatever is the newest and shiniest thing out there in church. It's what the body of Christ does. It's who we are, wherever we go, whatever we do, our mission, our calling in Christ so that people may see Jesus, that they may know Jesus in us and through us. This is exactly what those Greeks wanted, were told in John's Gospel who came into Jerusalem after Jesus had entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they're Greeks. They were outsiders, foreigners, goyim. They were not part of the family of faith that was Israel, yet here they come. 
big as you please, coming into Jerusalem right up to the disciples. And they said to Philip, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And that's still the request of many, many people today who are trying to figure out life, who are trying to make life work in the midst of all of the ups and downs, the frustrations, the disappointments, the griefs and sorrows, the setbacks. They wish to see Jesus, sometimes without their even knowing it. They may not come out and ask you straight up about this, but underneath, underneath everything else, that is exactly what they are asking to see Jesus. In the midst of this season, this busy season, when we are tugged and pulled in so many different directions and trying to do so many things, let us not lose sight of the one who is at the heart of it all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And with Jesus at the center, let us not lose sight of the people around us in this busy season who want to know what it's really all about. Like Charlie Brown and that Charlie Brown Christmas who gets it all explained by his friend Linus. That's what it's all about. The folks around us are looking to see if we look like Jesus. They want to see him. They want to know him and that peace which only Jesus can bring. May the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us, who gave himself for us, bless us with Christ-like family resemblance until Christ shall come again. Amen.